Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are embracing our conversation in the month of December around cultivating and building healthy relationships and how that impacts our life, our narrative, and tonight, our work, career, and business. So let's jump right into this conversation. I have Andrina Sawyer. She is an author, consultant, and strategist whose background includes surviving the Civil War in Sierra Leone. Her authenticity and battle-tested principles inspire audiences to embrace their past, own their present, and maximize their future. She is the president of Perk Consulting, an advisory firm to small to mid-sized nonprofits and businesses, and she is the founder of the Minority Christian Women Entrepreneurs Network. Originally from Freetown, Sierra Leone, she and her family moved to the United States when she was nine years old due to a civil war that left thousands dead and untold numbers maimed and displaced. She now credits her family's move during the war for her interest in human triumph and perseverance. She has since actively worked to mobilize and empower others. In addition to her work with entrepreneurs and nonprofits, she is the author of several books, including The Misadventures of a New Entrepreneur, The Five Things They Won't Tell You in Business School. So you already know, we are setting up for an authentic and real conversation around how networking is a verb. It is an action word. It's an opportunity for collaboration, co-creation, and partnership. And we've got an expert in the field helping us navigate the way we can create a flip side to any adversity that we are experiencing through community. Welcome to the show, Andrina. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am as well. So we were laughing off screen about how it was just like this divine appointment moment. We we initially met not knowing one another uh, and just so happened that in a few days after our initial meeting, we were both going to be at the Priscilla Shire uh, event in um, Baltimore because that's where you are. And so we actually got a chance to hug and connect with so so few times <laughs> right. I get to to do that with guests who aren't physically in Pennsylvania. So I'm excited about all that um, you have to share with our audience. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. And that day, you know, as I was telling you earlier, it was such a divine appointment. It was confirmation that we needed to talk and it was a blessing to meet you in person. 
Yes, indeed. Well, let's jump into it because I know that your story is powerful. Um, it is clearly filled with adversity, um, but you now have filled your life with community. And I'd like to understand, and if you can actually share, how can someone do the work to actually transcend those hard moments? Yeah. Well, there's a key word that you just said there, which is work. Um, anytime you're talking about adversity, you have to deal with the realization um, and the reality that adversity is difficult. Um, and I think sometimes we try to minimize it because we think that if we ignore the adversity or if we downplay it, then it'll just go away. Um, but working our way through adversity is work, overcoming and then coming on the other side of that. Um, to be transparent and authentic, to share with other people what you've been through is a lot of work. Um, and so for anybody that's there, I think the first thing is to just acknowledge the reality of the process. Um, and then the second thing is to be honest about what it's going to look like for you to be triumphant. Uh, for me, community, you know, that's when community started for me, just realizing from childhood um, until now, there were so many things that have happened that I just could not overcome by myself. And that's what community does. It says you don't have to carry this load. You don't have to carry this burden or this story by yourself. You can share it with other people. Um, and so I'm a firm believer in the value of community um, because it takes a lot of work to survive and then to go to thriving. When you talk about work as a coach um, and a trauma trainer, I often am challenged to help individuals not only move from hearing information, but actually beginning to integrate and do the work of consistency. I think sometimes we want the feeling of the pain or the discomfort or the loss to just stop. And if I do this one, hopefully it'll just stop, but there's actually a needed investment in creating that transcending experience that what you've been through doesn't have to define who you are or who you will be, but there's a level of consistency in strategy and integration that's necessary. Absolutely. I mean, that's really the only way to tackle whatever the adversity is that you're, you're facing. For a lot of us, the adversity wasn't a one-time occurrence. It wasn't a one-time instance, right? It was something that grew over time. It was repeated trauma. It was repeated, um, you know, messages that were sent to us that resulted in, you know, the adversity or that, that, Thing that we went through. And so realizing um, that it didn't take just one instance for that thing to happen to us or to traumatize us in the way it did means that it's not going to take just one effort for us to get to the other side of it. Um, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Recently, I joined this uh, dance group, right? Just a way to work out. And I was telling the, the teacher, I said, man, you won't believe how much weight I gained during the pandemic. You know, and I'm sharing with her, I'm being authentic and vulnerable. And she stops me and she goes, hey, sis, just calm down. We all went through a pandemic that was two years long. And so you thinking that, you know, whatever has happened to you that you need to now undo is going to take a day or two to undo is not going to, it's not reality. Um, and so that consistency is so important. It positions us to navigate our release 
in a very honest and real way. It manages our expectations um, and it allows us to give to have freedom with the process. So you can be kind to yourself. You can be gentle with yourself when you realize that it's not a one-time thing. You have to keep at it so that you can get your freedom or your healing um, or whatever it is that you're seeking. And you, as you shared in the beginning of our conversation, found that in community and have replicated that as a model for others through your network. I'm curious, how how has your journey or key moments helped you understand the power, the restorative power that can happen within healthy relationships? Yeah, that's so good. So I'll, I'll start from childhood. I think my, my earliest realization when I was nine um, years old, as you mentioned in my bio, my family came to the United States from Sierra Leone. And I remember my first time really noticing the value of community was when people from my church started sending bags of clothes to my parents for my sisters and I, right? And at the time, you know, is the the 10-year-old in me, the 11-year-old at the time that's embarrassed by these secondhand clothing, but then seeing and observing my parents' reception to the fact that people had been so kind to them in that way because they knew they were starting life all over. I think that was my first kind of connecting the dot moment where I realized this is what it looks like when people support each other and they figure out a way to just meet people where they are. And I've had so many of those moments, you know, since 10, 11. Um, and even now uh, with McQuinn, I'm seeing that every single day where whether it's accountability or encouragement or inspiration, people are finding ways to meet each other where they are. And that's really that's really what community is. But you said something that I think people need to get honest and release. Even though you were 9, 10, 11, I know adults that struggle in receiving from others and being willing to move past pride and recognize that God may have sent that particular person on an assignment specifically for you. And are you going to allow your pride to interrupt the blessing that was specifically assigned so that you knew that God saw you? When you are thinking about how to help others navigate really creating authentic relationships and community, what role or how do you coach people through letting go of that pride in order to receive? So good. I I always say, right, if the devil had a heaven, right, there there are two things that he would need in that heaven. (laughs) And and the first is pride and the second is isolation. And those two things are in direct opposition of community. Um, For a lot of us, opening up our mouths to say, I need help is a sign of weakness, right? But what it really is, is pride. Being able to say, you know, someone donated secondhand clothing to me, you know, for some people it's embarrassing, right? But if you need that help, It's a source of pride now because you won't accept the help that God is sending your way, no matter what it's packaged. And, you know, I get it. I I worked in a domestic violence shelter for a bit, right? There's a part in all of us as human beings that wants our dignity to be acknowledged, 
right? So we're not talking about, you know, getting secondhand clothing with holes and dirt stains and things like that. And we have to be able to separate when there's a threat to our dignity and when it's really just pride. And when you have a clear understanding that this is really just an issue of pride, then it's a you issue. And nine times out of 10, we keep ourselves stuck in these places of trauma and, and shame and loneliness just because we are masking our pride as dignity <laughs> or something mm -hmm. else. And, and really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I was just thinking authentic. about the connect. Yeah, the connection between exactly what you said. If we hold on to that pride, it will leave us in isolation and the enemy wins. Yeah. And the the goal is for us to give up on our destiny, our opportunity, our calling, our purpose. And if there are tricks that the enemy can use that allows us to mask the fact that actually, you know what, I'm being prideful. This person isn't being a threat yeah. to my dignity, but they actually see me, value me, and want to actually offer an opportunity for me to continue to move forward and grow. How am I going yeah. to deal with the stuff that's causing the pride? Exactly. And and asking yourself that tough question is really kind of the, the root, getting to the root of what's keeping you stuck or what's keeping you from accepting help. And the, I, I believe the enemy wants nothing more than to see us in that place. So we'll tell ourselves these stories in our head. We have no accountability, obviously, because we're not in accountability. We're not in community. And so we'll believe the lies that you know this thing that's happening is a threat to something else and it really is just he loves it i mean that's his sweet spot it's it's kind of an age-old trick and it works because it works <laughs> because mm -hmm. human beings mm -hmm. can be you know kind of prideful at times and it's it's unfortunate because it keeps us from good good um community and, and partnership opportunities and it keeps us from purpose actually tapping into everything that is actually predestined for us. How did you, coming out of so many hard experiences and even um, moving into a country that with cultures and things that you had had to learn, had to begin to understand, there's so many transitions I think think through in your story. How did you actually tap into and discover your why? Yeah, I was forced to. The short of it is I didn't mean to. I really did not mean to. You know, like so many other people, right? When you're in college and you're in that age where you're trying to figure out what your life plan is, I had one thing in mind. I was going to be a civil rights attorney or an international attorney doing immigration work. And I just thought that was what my life and my purpose was going to look like because I thought purpose meant occupation at the time. Um and I realized, you know, shortly after there were just a series of events that happened that actually took me out of law school. And so I had to get on my knees and say, God, what this was my I put all my eggs in this basket. I was in law school on my way to somewhere. <laughs> and so, you know, when I asked them that question, I had no response for for 
for a couple of years. Um, and even though I didn't hear the audible voice of God, my circumstances were speaking to his movement. And so once I started paying attention to the patterns and what was happening around me, I realized there's a purpose map here and I needed to be obedient. So that's what started it for me. Mm. So becoming obedient, again, putting putting down pride because we all have our agendas. And, and sometimes in those spaces, we believe that we our plan really is good, even though <laughs> there's a greater divine one. So putting that pride down. And then also you said you began to look for the patterns and yeah. identify. Can you give some examples of what those patterns look like for you? Yeah, I, I tried for years to open the, the door of law school for myself. And no matter what I did, no amount of praying, fasting, scholarship would open that door. And I realized this was a shut door. It was a, a shut door that God himself had shut. That was the first thing. And then I had an opportunity to work with an organization that I was passionate about and mirrored something that I was doing when I was only 15 years old. I did this work when I was 15, working in the community, forgot all about it. And in this season of my life, I somehow ended up in a nonprofit doing the same exact work. And it kind of brought some things to remembrance for me. So that was number two. And then the third thing was I was sitting down with a friend of mine for lunch one day. And she says, Andrina, have you ever considered this type of work? And it was exactly the type of work that I had been doing that no one else knew about. And I said, okay, I think what God is telling me here, this is now confirmation for me. And just to fast forward a little bit, about a year or two after that lunch meeting, I moved back to the D.C. area and I had an opportunity at a job that was the same exact thing. So these were now four different things that were very similar um, that God was telling me and pointing me in the direction of. Wow. We are... Um, getting ready to head into our first commercial, but I'd like for just this thought as we prepare for this commercial and then come back into this conversation, the first part of the examples of the pattern you just shared was a closed door. And I think about there are a lot of people who are going through transitions who are trying to find what their why is, or even leaving positions that are no longer suiting them or trying to find positions. And there are doors that are going to close. And with those closed doors comes discouragement, which can then again, push people into isolation. So when we come back from this break, I'd love for us to get ready to talk about how can we encourage people who are in a discouraged place right now because community can absolutely help move you out of that place of thinking that that closed door is actually the end for you. So as we prepare to get ready for our uh, first break, I would ask if you have questions, especially in our Facebook community, drop those questions in uh, the chat. Feel free to call in with any questions. We really want to understand how can healthy relationships in networking, in community, help us identify purpose, stay strong in our careers, and absolutely continue to fortify our businesses. So we'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The mental health crisis is real. Nearly one in three youths experiencing major depression are not receiving any mental health treatment. At Limbix, we are on a mission to make mental health treatment accessible to the 13 to 22-year-olds that need it most when they need it most. Our digital therapeutic Spark RX is the first evidence-based treatment for adolescent depression that delivers a multi-week program based on cognitive behavioral therapy directly to the patient's smartphone. Did we mention it's free? Join Limbix in empowering teens on their mental health journey. To learn how to talk to your physician and more, visit sparkrx.com. SparkRx is a digital therapeutic intended to provide a neurobehavioral intervention, cognitive behavioral therapy, behavioral activation, in patients 13 to 22 years of age, as adjunct treatment for symptoms of depression, Spark RX has not been cleared by the US FDA. Spark RX is not for emergency use. Spark RX is not meant to be used as treatment without supervision of a healthcare provider. Spark RX is not meant to be a substitution for any treatment or medication. Spark RX does not address concerns of active suicidal ideation with intent. Complete Spark RX safety information can be found at sparkrx.com. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to our conversation that networking is a verb. Is collaboration, is co-creation, it is partnership. And this month of December, we are focused on how we can cultivate community and healthy relationships for us to support our own healing journey. And specifically for this conversation is connecting with purpose and creating a foundation for a career, for a healthy, strong business, as well as just being a healthy, strong leader. And we just had a conversation around pride. And 
Um, Andrina, one of our listeners, Dale, said, how can we help each other when we get lost in pride and isolation? Uh, that's that's a great thing. Uh, a great question. I would say be gentle. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we were saying during the break, Dr. Jackson. It's tough, right? Because pride demands that you hold yourself accountable before you hold anybody else accountable. Not very many of us are comfortable with looking at ourselves in the mirror all the time. Um, and so if you are in community right now with someone that needs that kind of accountability, the delivery counts for a lot. And so talking to someone and saying, hey, I think there's a little bit of pride going on here that's preventing you from succeeding in, you know, A, B, C, D way um, is a lot different than you have pride and you need to check that. <laughs> like you holding us back, you holding yourself back. So being gentle and being gracious, um, I think about just even our relationship with God. Right. When we go before him, sometimes we are so prideful, we're so indignant and so entitled in so many ways. And very rarely does he just reprimand us for that. Like there's so much grace in his exchange with us. Um, and so similarly, I think in community with each other, um, we're called to that type of a standard. Um, but I, I don't think it's beneficial to ignore it. Uh, sometimes we, we think that by ignoring it, we're, we're helping the other person, especially if you're conflict averse. So we don't want to ignore it because it ends up doing more harm than good. But we do want to be gracious and honest in, in how we, we approach it, I think. All of that, as soon as you said the word grace, I mean, <laughs> the chat, people like, yes, grace. It's, it's recognizing that oftentimes when we're hiding, when we're operating from a place of pride, when we are isolating, that there's pain connected to that. And it can quickly turn into shame if those in the community are going after what they're seeing through their own lens of judgment. And so when you said the word grace, recognizing if we're approaching it from a place of understanding and accountability and will we actually listen for what the root issue is because there's something under that pride and until yeah. we are really understanding what's behind it we actually won't begin to address it or change it yeah and it's not our job to, to play therapist right and so when you <laughs> And, and a lot of us are not equipped to play therapist. And so if we're not cautious with how we approach someone or something and you begin to unravel things that are beyond your capacity to handle, then you've done more damage than than what was originally there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of the grace approach is being prayerful about like, how do I even start this conversation? I don't want to just start it because they've ruffled my feather with their pride, but I want to start it because I want true healing for that person. And I want our community to be healthy, like thoroughly and genuinely um, healthy, starts with prayer. Then it starts again with that gentle approach and grace and authenticity. And for me, what's worked, Dr. Jackson, is modeling that, modeling authenticity to the best of my ability. And so saying, hey, these are my shortcomings. Hey, I'm having a bad day. I was snappy. It's not in your head. That's the reality. I had a bad attitude. <laughs> You know, and depending on the situation, I might provide some context, but really modeling um, 
that I think is helpful because what it does is it gives other people permission to begin to handle their issues of pride and their issues, you know, in authenticity and, and all of those things. As you shared, our ultimate goal is not only do we show up in, in a healthy way and engage in our own healing, but we want those that we are in community with to also experience and begin to process and, and even seek out the help that may be necessary for their healing. What encouragement would you offer someone in this season? They're searching for purpose, they're searching for their why, they're, they're searching for a potential change, but they're feeling yeah. discouraged. Yeah. My first comment to that person would be to forget about purpose and figure out the source of the discouragement and, and handle that first. Um, and that seems a little bit counterintuitive, but if you're discouraged because you're feeling inadequate or because of insecurity, then even if God gave you this grand depiction of what your purpose in life is, you would not be able to pursue that thing because of the underlying issue of insecurity and an inferiority and, and whatever else is going on. So I would tell that person, just for a minute, forget about this purpose and just focus on the root of the discouragement. After we've gotten through that, then I'd probably ask them, what is your definition of purpose? Because I had an encounter a few years ago that totally redefined purpose for me. You know, as I, I mentioned earlier, for so long, I thought purpose was equivalent to whatever my occupation in life was. So if I was an attorney, that was my purpose in life. If I was a teacher, that was my purpose. Um, and without getting too deep into my aha moment, one of the things that God really revealed to me was my purpose was to be obedient to whatever he called me to in that moment and in that season. So if it looked like serving my community, serving my neighbor, picking up trash, cleaning the toilet, that's what it was. <laughs> even though it wasn't glamorous, even though it wasn't my job, it's just what it, my purpose was in that moment. Purpose tied to obedience, and it's not this thing that is way out in front of you that you are trying to chase and hustle down. It can purpose is whatever you have been told to do in that moment. Will you yes. do that thing? Will you do that thing? Oh my goodness. Yes, yes indeed. So good. Well, I and know, I know there are works. many. You, you know what? You got uh, yes, because that I have been wrestling with that as well. When I think about there's this this hustle and this grind after this big thing, this big calling, this platform this um social media presence this but when we're talking about true purpose is tied to your obedience and the purpose you have when you woke up this morning what did he put in your hand in your eyesight in your yeah. heart and did you abandon pride to stay truly authentic and purposeful in what he has told you to do today yeah that's so good. You said a, a, such a key word that I've I've come to just relinquish in the last couple of years, which is chase. I am a firm believer that when God reveals something for you to do, you will never have to chase anything. I have seen it where God has made provision, made a way out of no way, such a church cliche, but so true. When God reveals something to you, the people will come, the resources will come, the ideas will come. 
And our job, which is not always the easiest thing, is to be obedient and positioned to hear his instructions, but you won't have to chase anything. <laughs> it's yes. exhausting. What's for you what's for you is for you. I love this comment that just came through from um Impact Christian Businesses and Professional Magazine. Um, the rep from there said, we always seem to want to make things even more complicated than God's yeah. purpose is simple. Yes, yeah. it's obedient. Yeah. Exactly, Kia. It's obedient. It's today. Well, yeah. let's jump into understanding this whole, there's this huge movement right now around um, purpose, calling, all of that. And for some that has been pursuing entrepreneurship. And yeah. it's a trending word. Lots of people say they're entrepreneurs and, <laughs> and they're not actually entrepreneurs, but it's popular, it's trendy. Why do you think it's such a huge trend and topic um, now? Yeah, um, short of it, social media. Um, I think there's a certain glamour, yeah, that's that's now associated with entrepreneurship. And and social media has kind of amplified that that thought and that idea where if you are an influencer and you're on the beach and you're meeting celebrities and you're verified, then that means that you are truly an entrepreneur. And you know, Dr. Jackson, I remember talking to someone who had built a business. She had been in the game for about 30 years, and she said, Andrina, I don't even have Facebook. And she says, but I've never lacked a client. And I just said, whoa, like, how do you do that? I think about what, who, it's resonating. I see this. Resonating. I just, I think about what it, what it really means to be a business owner. A lot of that flair is, becomes almost a distraction and it diminishes entrepreneurship for those who are really putting in the hard work. They're sowing, they're being obedient, they're sacrificing. Uh, but I blame social media. I blame social media. I blame um, the fact that it's so easy to get a quick return on things these days. Um, and, and they're not things that are sustainable, right? Um, but you can amass a following on social media and, and make six, seven figures just from doing that without having to do any of the other gritty work that's traditionally gritty. Um, so, you know, and not to diminish anybody that's doing that kind of work, because I'm sure there's a lot of investment in that in that way as well. But social media, I think, has made it very, very difficult. And it's tainted um, the definition of entrepreneurship a little bit. Um, even for me, I, I started 11 years ago as a business owner, as a full-time business owner. And from then to now, it's changed so much. It has. And I, so I, I have been doing entrepreneurial work since the birth of my youngest daughter, since 2000, and truly wow. went into entrepreneurship for myself under my own LLC in 2016. And I know as an entrepreneur, I'm actually working harder now than I have ever worked for any employer for somebody else's business, but it's a different kind of hard work. And yeah. I honestly am invested in a process that I don't wanna settle for anything less than all that God has for me. And how do you actually address settling within your network? Yeah, um, we talk about it openly, right? What does settling look like? If you believe, right? So coming from, I I, I talk from a faith-based faith -based perspective a lot because that's the community that I'm in. 
But if you have something on the inside of you, right, that's saying that the life that I'm living now is not quite at the standard, and you can't always explain it, right, but you just have a gut feeling that God wants more for you, that's usually an indication that you're living below where God wants you to be. But then I just think about like our aspirations as human beings. So if you are Mm -hmm. equipped to do more, and you have ambition to do more, let's take faith out of it, right? If you think I can make $20,000 more a year with just five extra hours in my week investing into this, like that's an indication that you're not quite at your threshold. Um, One of the the most important principles, right? True entrepreneurs, (laughs) so jab a little bit. Entrepreneurs know this is um, ROI, right? The concept of ROI, return on investment. And if you are constantly pouring, 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 but you're not getting anything back or you're not getting the return that's equal to what you're investing, then you're below standard. Um, And so we talk Mm. about that. And all of our programming and offering, even in that space, is to get people to just elevate their game a little bit. Doesn't have to look like night and day in two weeks, right? It's a gradual process. But if there's a benchmark in your mind of I can make 20,000 more, I can reach 30 more people a year, then you have what it takes. God has equipped you. So let's work toward that. You did a blog on um, your website and one of the opening key paragraphs, um, I think you also posted it on social media, is this message of doing one more. Is it one more hour, one more meeting? one more handshake that will you do the one more that nobody else is willing to do to be able to begin to accelerate and open up opportunities and present yourself as someone who will do not just the base level but you're willing to do the one more yeah yeah and and that's really the question because while god doesn't call us to chase he does call us to be diligent And so if he's called you to do something impactful, there's no room for mediocrity or for laziness, to put it frankly. And so kind of challenging ourselves just a little bit. We're not saying 10 extra handshakes or 10 extra hours, just a little bit more. Um, And again, ROI, right, we'll be so, I think, impressed if we see the return on that little bit more of an investment. Mm -hmm. If we think about you've talked about community, you've talked about relationship building, you've talked about the power of that connection and accountability. And I had a conversation with one of our um, girlfriends from the Girlfriend Gathering, actually just last night. And I was talking about how I had a misconception very early on around networking. I really thought about networking as this kind of plastic um, space that really kind of it was fake and you it, people were using one another and I had this skewed perspective of networking that is completely the opposite now I I really believe that there is so much power in really intentionally networking what would you say people are getting wrong about yeah. networking now Yeah. Um, I think going into conversations and into networking spaces with that attitude, 
um, right, of I have to pretend to be something, right, I have to show up in this specific way. I think people not understanding that um, networking is about quality and not necessarily quantity, um, if they could understand that, I think that would change the game a bit. Um, so I am someone who identifies as an introvert, right? People don't believe me, but I really do. And for a long time... <laughs> me too. For me too. Yes, we're soul sisters. But for a really long time, walking into those networking spaces was so intimidating to me. And I realized once I had, I had to reframe some things. And part of it looked like engaging with people who I actually could see something long-term with, not just for the exchange of business cards or for the exchange of what do you do or what do you do? But there was actually something else that was deeper um, than just having my hand out. Um, and if it meant that I walked out with only three good contacts for that day, but I could have conversations with them following and coffee dates following, then that worked. So just kind of reframing some some things like quality over quantity, showing up with conversational currency and understanding the value of that. So not just the open line doesn't have to be, what do you do? It can be, I love your hair, right? And then what does your, you know, what does your business do? What are you passionate about? But having actually a relationship with people um, makes the networking opportunity that much more valuable. So going in with the right mindset around what the intention of this networking experience is, going in with the intention of looking for key relationships, not just a bunch of business cards. And I, I also believe that I heard you say within that, that your motivation can't be about what you're going to get from people, but what reciprocity will happen because you have conversation, you're adding value to a space. So it's not just about what am I going to get from everybody in this space, but what can I give? I'm, I'm often asking, how can I add value? And yeah. I'm curious how that all connects. If you were to give someone coaching advice, this is their very first networking experience, and they're just starting off as an entrepreneur. What yeah. are maybe three things that they need to do tangibly and intentionally to leverage their start? Yeah, first thing is do your homework, right? Have some context before you walk into a room. So if I'm walking into a room of entrepreneurs, I probably would approach the conversations a little bit different than if I was walking into the room with just immigrants from varying, you know, occupational backgrounds, right? There's a commonality there based on the type of context that I'm walking into. So do your research so that you're equipped. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is to show up authentically as yourself. So don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't offer things that you can't actually follow through on, um, right? Show up authentically as yourself because if you have the opportunity to follow up with people, they're looking for discrepancies in your story, right? They want to know that you're trustworthy. And then the third thing is what you said, add value. So before you walk into that room, think about how can I contribute? You know, I, I always think of the illustration of, if you don't know someone well and they have their hand out and say, hey, can you give me $100? It's almost ridiculous, right? It's almost offensive to mm -hmm. do that. And so rather than me walking in with a sales pitch that's really refined, I've memorized it and it's great, why don't I not try to sell to you? Why don't I just mm -hmm. have a conversation where I listen for what you need 
and then figure out how I can add value based on what your needs are. Um, I think what we have not been taught very well, right, um, is how to just listen. So in conversation sometimes, like you will find out what the value is that you need to add if we would just listen. So if you can apply the 80-20 rule, listen 80% of the time in that initial conversation and talk maybe 20%, the value added question gets answered. So that that would be my third thing, add value. But listen, so you know how to add value. (laughs) Yes, listen, and I agree, we struggle with the skill and the art and even the heart to actually listen to someone else, not just wait for the pause for us to make our point, but shut down our own internal chatter so that we can really understand what the other person is looking for, experiencing, and what their pain point is, what their need is. So that even if it's not me, I who do I know that I can be able to support them with? It's really about community, coming back to creating and cultivating that social capital that'll help us tap into resources. What are some of the ways you actually guide women within your network in aligning their resources in order to maximize their vision? Yeah. If, if I could just add one more thing before I answer this question Please. to the last thing. Please. Um, be, be intentional when it comes to networking about your personal brand, right? Um, there are people that I've encountered in networking situations that we could not do anything professionally at the time, but because the encounter was good, it was memorable, mutually memorable, mutually good. Six months later, eight months later, we found a way to make it work professionally, right? Or transactionally, but make it good so that your brand sticks with them. Like the experience that they have with you is is something that's memorable. So I'll just add that part. Um, when you were talking, I love you that. Me of that. I love but, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important who we are. I mean, when we we show up as representatives, people we're we're intuitive people. <laughs> so if someone is just selling you a load of crap, there you know, mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and they don't want anything to do with you or your business. Yeah. You know, we have a guest coming up in March of 2023, um, Makiba Rich, and she has this whole concept of the aroma of a leader. Like when you walk into a space, the aroma that comes with you, not just just your fragrance, but how Mm -hmm. your brand, your presence, your language, your um, your your who you are how that lingers in the space that people remember. And it just resonated with me, with me as you were talking about um, your brand, because you never know, it might not be for this moment, but will they remember you when the moment is um, on time? Exactly. And, And will they remember you even if they never need you, but somebody else happens to need you and they know, like, could they make the connection because that fragrance, that aroma was so strong. So, you know, reframing networking and just thinking long-term has helped me. Yes. Um, yeah, it's important. Aligning we'll resources. Yes, yes. Aligning resources, <laughs> right, for your work. <laughs> I love talking about networking, but how do you align the resources? Take inventory, right? Find out what your, your resources are. Um, 
sometimes in entrepreneurship, I think we see the end right before we even start. And so what we do is we cast this wide net sometimes where we're spending money, we're on social media, there's no specific strategy, no specific rhythm, we're just, again, casting this wide net. And whatever sticks is what we keep, and whoever responds is who we engage. But going into into trying to find and align these resources, take inventory of exactly what you need. I'm a firm believer in specificity, whether it's in prayer and saying, God, I need $10,000 because five is going this way, three is going this way, two is going that way. But be very, very specific about what you need. Once you're specific, then go and find places that offer exactly what you need. So similar to McQuinn, there are so many organizations that are out there right? Especially for women who are in entrepreneurship. So go if it's funding that you need, find an organization or a community or a person that, that really kind of um, has an expertise in this area and make sure that you connect. Do not make the, the mistake that I made, which is thinking that I could do it all by myself, right? If I just work hard enough, I'm going to get all the resources that I need. I just need to talk to enough people. But use what you have. Use the connections that you have, your social media network, your friends, your pastor, whomever. Uh, but connect uh, and be in, in spaces that can offer you those resources as well. Um, and then the last thing is to make sure that whatever little you have, have a strategy for how you'll multiply that thing. Okay. So sometimes we diminish the resources that we have because we think it's not enough. Um, and, and flipping is not just a real estate term, right? Because people think like, if I get this house and I flip it and do it, but that whole concept of if I have, and I don't want to get too, you know, into the jargon of things, but if I have a hundred dollars, right? and I need to make $1,000 for this online boutique that I have, there needs to be a strategy. We don't downplay and diminish that 100 that God has given us, but we sow it and invest it very strategically so that it multiplies, right? And that's how we begin to align the resources is we take whatever God has given us and we figure out the multiplication behind it. So identify it, be specific, connect with the resources, and then create some strategies for multiplication. There's so much wisdom. How would you share that minority Christian women entrepreneurs network addresses the needs, the, those these current needs that female entrepreneurs have? Yeah. Back to our pride conversation. Um, it was having an honest conversation with my myself and my team. Our team is very small that we just can't do it all. Right. So right now, McQuinn reaches thousands of people. And as much as we want to brag that we can meet all thousands of people, you know, where they are, the, the reality is that we're limited in scope and expertise and resources. So the first thing that we did after having that conversation is we just started implementing a strategic partnership pipeline where we say that we're finding that a number of people need this thing. Is there an organization that we can partner with and create a referral system, some sort of funnel pipeline, where in the event that we find more people need marketing support, for example, we can send them to this vetted space that we can trust will handle our people with care. Um, and so that's the mm -hmm. kind of the first thing is just being honest about how we meet people and whether we can meet people. Um, and then offering different services. Um, so we don't have this tunnel vision anymore of our clientele only looks this way. 
um, meaning in terms of just socioeconomics and things like that. So what you'll find if you go through our calendar of events, for example, is one month we're focusing on marketing. If, it, if that resonates with you, you're welcome. Another month we're focusing on fundraising. If it resonates, come. So we offer enough of a variety where we try to meet as many people as we can. When, um, as you were just talking, there is, there can often be a fear element in saying, I can't do it all. Like I need to offer every, all of these things or else I'm going to lose people in my network or I'm going to lose clients if I don't show up. But oftentimes that'll end up looking like you can't show up in excellence because you are making your services so thin. Uh, And so if you were to give someone advice as we really kind of wrap this this time up. I can't believe how fast this hour has gone by. Um, I, I Before I ask, ask that question, I do want you to share where people can follow you and what McQuinn is doing um, coming up very soon as a resource to others. Sure. First of all, thank you for the opportunity again. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, For those who would like to stay connected, so I have my main website. It's my first last name, AndrinaSawyer.com. If you'd like to find out about McQuen, it's MCWEN.org. And I am social. Um, I'm partial to Instagram and Twitter. Uh, So you could find me at both of those platforms at Andrina underscore Sawyer. And um, I'm happy, you know, if you shoot me a DM to plug you into any of the resources that we offer. So oh, we and have as far as, a, ba- oh, yes, the events. What McCoy, yes, what <laughs> is doing. So next week we have our final event of 2023 and it's a virtual vision board and strategic planning event. It is 90 minutes of networking and action and you know, planning for what you have coming up for 2023. We want to make sure that you are as equipped as you are motivated to start the year right. And the beauty of that event is not only are you creating the vision, the things that you want, but you're in a space with the relationships of people who can absolutely intentionally help you get there. Oh, yes. Absolutely. At this point, McQuinn is global, so you can find whomever, wherever you are, we will do our best to connect you to someone that can, you know, kind of support you. Yes, an international minority women's entrepreneur network. Please look up Andrina um, Sawyer. Uh, you can Google her. She absolutely pops right up. And then um, the website for McQuinn is in our show notes. Andrina, again, thank you so much for absolutely underscoring um, our second week of the power of healthy relationships and how they not only cultivate and hold us to be accountable, but it also allows and catapults us to add value to others. Thank you so much, sis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, our flip side conversation for those of you who are listening, same time, same place next week. We will see you on the flip side.
Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit Voice America Empowerment.